Hello, it's Larry Clark from Excelsior Music Publishing with another episode of From the Composer. And today we have with us composer Steve Parsons. Hi, Steve. How are we doing? I'm doing well. How are you, Larry? <laughs> Great. Well, it's awesome to get to talk to you and uh, uh, find a little bit about uh, what, you, what you do and how you, how you do it. And I'm sure the listeners will be interested in, in all of that information. So just give us a, a sort of a brief biographical background of, you know, uh, what you do on a normal basis, how you got into composition, and a little bit about your background. Sure. Well, um, I've actually kind of always been a composer, so I started very early, and right now I primarily am a music director and composer for theater, so I conduct shows on a pretty much <laughs> weekly basis. Mm-hmm. And then I also do teach at uh, Kent Stark. Um, I'm at Kent State University, uh, their Stark campus. I'm adjunct there working in the commercial music department. Nice. Then I also accompany for several high school choirs in the area. I end up writing and accompanying for them. Um, a lot of high school bands around the, the country. I, I've got a lot of contacts through there. So I kind of dip my toe in quite a bit, as it were, yeah. um, throughout the, the school year and uh, even through the summer. So I do a lot of you know theatrical writing, but I also um, have definitely have my roots in you know band and choral and orchestra. I do you know, a lot of symphony commissions. So I try to keep as much in the musical side of things as possible. Um, a lot of a lot of uh, throughout the year, basically. <laughs> right. Well, obviously, musicians always have to keep busy doing something. We just can't stand not doing it. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you get started as like a little kid or in, in Yeah, in I, I don't really recall a time when I wasn't writing something. Um, my mom used to talk about how as even just a very young child, I would you know, write little songs and you know, go around humming them. And um, pretty much when I was in, I think, middle school, um, once I learned how to effectively like notate what I was uh, trying to hum, uh-huh. I was able to write it all down and just, you know, one of those very simple little composition books, you know, like uh, uh, manuscript books. Right. So yeah, I was always you know, writing something and then I just kind of developed it as I got into high school and learned more about theory and, uh, you know, kind of putting a name to all of the things that I already kind of had in my head. Mm-hmm. So it, it just kind of developed from there, you know, very, very young child. I had no inkling I was going to go into music until, I was in high school, took some theory classes, started to really get involved in band writing and arranging and, and choir as well. So then I, I started to realize that it could actually be a career choice. Hmm. So I ended up going to uh, Kent for an initial just you know bachelor's in composition and decided while I was there, you know, I might as well, I've got some momentum going. I might as well go through and get my master's and really just keep studying this thing. Mm-hmm. So it definitely was a kind of an evolutionary process, but I guess in hindsight, it seems very natural. Mm-hmm. So uh, you played in the band then in high school. Oh yeah. I started and- with your typical flutophone situation and mm-hmm. uh, basically was a trumpet player and then also played um, keyboard in the jazz band. So I kind of tr- traded off depending on the tune between piano and uh, trumpet. Right. And you said, uh, were you in the choir as well? Yeah, I wasn't originally because our school uh, system couldn't, basically throughout middle school, you couldn't do both. But then in Mm -hmm. high school, as your schedule started to free up a bit, we were able to do both. So I got recruited into our select choir around my uh, junior year. 
and then just kind of ended up getting thrown into not just accompanying, but then singing in that and our show choir. So I kind of had the full range of experience with that as well. Just kind of, right. and I, I'd always sung outside of that, but just hadn't been able to do anything in school. Right. Well, so obviously you're new to Excelsior, of course, but I think you're you know relatively new to you know band directors because uh, you don't have a lot of music published for right. a concert band. Is that ac- that's accurate, right? That is. I had a, um, a number of years ago. I had had a couple of pieces uh, published, but because theater kind of picked up right in the middle there, I ended up taking a strangely, I mean, I, I was still writing, but in terms of publication, a rather long hiatus. <laughs> right, right. So, you know, you, you talked a little bit about uh, sort of the, what you write other than, than band music. What I, what I think is interesting and I think would be interesting to, to band directors is that you have such a diverse background uh, beyond band, which in my opinion, based, you know, on the one piece that we've published so far uh, makes your music different, makes your music fresh compared to maybe some of the band composers, you know, that they're used to. Yeah, I definitely have a very dramatic sense. You know, I've always loved film scores and uh, scores for theater, so that was kind of a natural fit. So because I am involved with so many different musicals and um, I've done some, you know, scored some video projects, you really get a sense of imagery and you know the drama of everything and just really wanting to hit um some of those places that i think a lot of us want to go anyway but um not everyone like necessarily is of a theatrical bent so they don't necessarily always know how to get into that and i've just always like really focused on just you know what what is it that will keep your interest through the whole thing you know what is it that's really gonna like just grab you um, and take you on a, a really cool journey because you know, a, a piece is much like, you know, a piece of theater where you're in essence telling a story, even if it's not a specific story, you know, you, you want to take the listener on a very logical journey. So they do actually very much work hand in hand. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned the word drama and, and that's something that uh, when I work with younger composers, uh, you know, they might write a nice piece that, you know, starts and finishes has a nice tune but I always tell them it do, it doesn't have that moment of drama. It doesn't have that, you know, where are we going? What's the climax? That sort of thing. So it's interesting that you mentioned, uh, you know, that as part of your, your thought process. Yeah. And obviously you apply all of the, the principles of, you know, what we study you know, in, in composition, but mm-hmm. you apply it in a very different way. You might break up, you know, like take a little, you know, chunk of a theme or a motive and develop it over the course of a piece, but you still want to keep it exciting. So you actually create a different kind of rationalization. Like what does this little motive mean? What does this theme mean? And how am I going to dramatically channel that through the entire piece? Not just in a very you know intellectual musical sense. So it's, it's kind of an interesting process to dovetail those two things. Well, I think that's uh, uh bringing that to light here in sort of this podcast will help people better understand your piece um, that we're going to talk about today. But also, you know, when we publish more pieces by you and they get used to you as a composer, uh, it'll make a lot more sense because you, uh, you do write very effectively and very dramatically. And I think that's what people will enjoy about your music. I hope so. <laughs> I, I yeah. know students love the dramatic. So <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And, and as you said, film scores and things like that, where it, it's actually sort of ripping uh, adding different emotions with the music that uh, those film co- composers and dramatic composers are trying to do. 
students that that resonates with them. So that's really great. So talk to us a little bit about your process. And, you know, how do you get started on a piece? What 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 is the first thing you do? Well, it depends on, you know, obviously, you know, pieces come from many different directions, but with me, it always starts with at least a basic and I say image only in the sense that that's probably the the, the most uh concise way to say it, but whether it be an image, sometimes even a title will suggest itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had situations where it, it, um, I literally just was kind of messing around because I also do a lot of uh, writing in the prose sense. And it's like, oh, that's kind of a cool like way to you know combine those words. Or that's kind of an interesting image that's suggested by that title. So I always start with at least like a basic image of some sort and, you know, try to find it, if not a title specifically, just like kind of a general idea of what I'm looking for. You know, I, I again, I, I really love imagery. So, you know, sometimes it could be something as simple as, oh, it's about to rain. Maybe I should, you know, think about something along those lines. Or, mm-hmm. you know, I'm feeling like, uh, you know, in, in a, like a great, let's say, you know, bit of uh, natural wonder, like, you know, we have a lot of natural valleys up here in Ohio where you can just kind of go and, and look across and, sometimes that'll suggest something. So I'm, I'm very image based, even though obviously we're dealing with music and I, I always start with something like that. And then I just start to think of, okay, what are certain musical intervals or certain chord chords that suggest that? So obviously there are different musical, um, you know, bits of vocabulary that we use that suggest certain time periods or certain images. So I try to really dig into uh, a little bit of that and, even if I'm doing something that might suggest a, a particular period, I might do a little bit of research into uh, some more specifics on the, you know, both the compositions and what was going on at the time. Right. <clears throat> so I try now, to is it that. something that, yeah. So then is it something then you, you go to the keyboard, write it on paper, walk around the block, what, you know, what, what's sort of the next step of then getting it to actually be realized? I'm definitely, um, the kind of person who does a lot of work away from the keyboard, uh, even though when I'm really like in the thick of things, I definitely write at the key, you know, at, at the piano, I tend to have a lot of like little themes and motives that I just roll around in my head and kind of develop mentally, you know, similar process, but I just, I, I really have gotten, um, part of it was training. Part of it was just my natural inclination. I work on a lot of things, where melodies will just, you know, kind of work themselves out in my head and I'll kind of develop them over the course of maybe a few days, you know, sometimes a few hours if it's a a big deadline, but, you know, try to really just hear it and hear not just the melody, but also just the color. Like, you know, are there colors that are, you know, like orchestrationally um, that I might, you know, want to particularly gravitate towards. So I'm really big on the kind of the mental process and and breaking it down that way first. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and then once you get that rolling, do you then move on to computer, manuscript, sketch, something? Um, yeah, I, I tend to, um, again, depending on your age and your, uh, <laughs> your experience, <laughs> I go right, right to, uh, I do a lot of, uh, handwritten stuff, just, a like little fragments of an idea, you know, here and there. Again, it depends partially on schedule and deadlines, but yes. um, a lot of times I will, just you know, start to really draft it out by hand, and then I kind of jump onto finale a little bit, and maybe try some stuff out, or 
you know, just depending. So I kind of flip flop back and forth where I use the technology a lot, but also kind of do old school. <laughs> and, yeah. and even in like the orchestration phase, um, I've learned this in theater. I actually don't use the keyboard at all. I, uh, I step away. I, I'll actually go and orchestrate it at Starbucks. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Cause I, I have the, you know, the whole structure down. I have like the whole like basic components that I need. So I just go and, you know, let me, let my brain kind of put together the orchestral colors in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's kind of a neat process to do it that way because then you don't get married to like a particular sample set or, right. you know, and you can actually go with what the instruments can really do. I find that uh, young composers sometimes do get too married to how it sounds on the playback of a, of a notation program or a, or a DAW system or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, and you have to be careful because aside from the fact that it's, you know, sometimes an idealized version of what it is, you also can have a great French horn sample that has, you know, four players playing at once. But then when you go to score it, you have to take into consideration how many players you might actually have. And that if you play a chord, all of a sudden, oh, look, you have eight horns that need to play that to make it sound like that. <laughs> right, right. And, and then also, a lot of times, well, the software won't tell you when you're writing things that are really hard to play. It'll just play it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> too high or too low or whatever, you know. And uh, so Yeah, you have to be very careful to make, especially with, you know, anything you're writing for student work, you know, want to make sure that you're within their, their means. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's great. Um, so talk to us about uh, what's like, what's your writing sort of situation? Do you have a studio you work in? Um, you said Starbucks, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somewhat atypical, but no. Uh, at home, I've actually created my own little um, you know, work studio here. Yeah, I basically have uh, carved out a little uh, section of my, uh, basically my living room that, I have, you know, my, my computers, uh, set up, I've got, um, my piano, I, you know, I've got actually my digital piano as well. Mm-hmm. And just, uh, kind of created my own writing studio. I've got, um, a drafting board that I set up so I can a little more effectively uh, try to lay out score paper, which uh, sometimes is a bit of an issue. <laughs> right. Right. Um, it definitely beats the, um, uh, some of the old days where I was trying to write copy parts um, sitting on the marching band field while we had a deadline for a, a new chart. Uh, so I tried to make it as comfortable as possible. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, it's a nice little uh, kind of a little nook and I, I try to uh, embellish or, you know, create anytime I can make it a little bit more comfy and you know, like get, you know, outfit a new chair or something like that, just because you want your, your workspace to be as comfortable as possible because you're going to spend a lot of time there. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Now you you've mentioned several times already uh, the word the dreaded word of composers deadline. <laughs> uh, uh, do you find that uh, and and I'm speaking from my own experience because that's that's me. Uh, do you find you're that you're a deadline composer? Oh, absolutely. One of the things that um, not just theater but just in general I've learned is I'm much more creative on a deadline because it forces you to filter automatically. It's like you know if you just have, you know, an arbitrary, um, mm-hmm. set of parameters and you, you can kind of have all the time in the world. Sometimes I think it, not always, but a lot of times it will make you just like go down every rabbit hole possible. Right. And it's that 
kind of that, okay, I have to be done in, you know, (laughs) two days or whatever the deadline is, it really forces you to say, okay, what is this going to be? And it almost like makes you streamline it to be as effective as possible. Really focused. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those out of necessity, but it's also, I found that it really makes me more creative. Uh, yeah, I, I 100% agree with that. You know, it's a lot of people are like, well, but you don't have the time to muse about the piece and whatever. But if I have all that kind of time, I end up just not doing anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's similar for you, but that's, that's the um, way it works. Sometimes. Through. I mean, it, it can be really easy to put things off like, oh, I'll get to that or, oh, I'll develop that idea once I like have a better sense of it. And, you know, sometimes that you know, there's validity to that if you have some time for revision. But obviously, um, you have to write in order to be a writer. <laughs> so it's very easy to talk yourself out of it a lot of the time when you're busy. Oh, yeah. And and um, I always refer young composers to a book called The War of Art. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've had a chance to read that one, but he basically talks about it. Uh, you just have to work. Some of yes. it is just you got to work. And you're not uh, generating material, you're not generating material. <laughs> right. Yeah. And there's a famous quote in there from a, a book author. And they said, do you write on a schedule or do you write on inspiration, he said, "I write on inspiration, but fortunately, it happens every every morning at nine a.m. <laughs> so you know, it's like got to sit down, you got to do it, and if you got a deadline, you got to work it through and and get it done." Very true. But now that leads to sort of my next question, and I ask all the composers that I've interviewed: um, Do you get writer's block, and if so, what do you do to get past that? That is a very good question. And yes, I mean, I think everybody at some point runs <laughs> into that wall. Um, I would say I try to balance either I'll step away from it. You know, you, sometimes you need to that, that breath and just kind of step away. Um, sometimes I'll listen to just a piece of music that's completely unrelated, just mm. something that I like, you know, just something right. that says, I like music again, <laughs> because sometimes you can you know, be hitting that wall and be like, I hate music. Why did I ever do this? Um, right, right. So just like something that I either like, you know, completely just a style or, or something that's completely unrelated to what the project. But, you know, sometimes that's a good method to try to get past it. Other times yeah. I will literally just change gears and say, okay, well, what's another thing that I'm working on right now? Okay. I, I can't, this band thing's hanging me up. Maybe I'll go over here and work on the choral piece. I'm supposed to be doing something with, or, you know, just something to kind of keep the brain going. So hopefully it'll kind of help to unlock itself. Right. You know, just trying to like change gears as much as possible. So you don't sit there in that, that dire rut for too long. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's a common theme with uh, all the composers that I've interviewed is they just, you know, you, you just kind of have to either get away from it, listen to somebody else's music and get stimulated in that, that fashion. So it's, it's very interesting that uh, there's a lot of similarities in the way that we all work uh, in what we do. I think we're all our worst uh, enemies. <laughs> yeah, just uh, that, our own. that is true. That is definitely true. So you said you started writing as a, uh, obviously as a young person. How has uh, your composition uh, changed, the way you compose changed uh, over the years? Well, I mean, aside from the obvious answers, like, you know, obviously your music tends to get a little more in depth and, you know, not necessarily just complex, but just a little more um, elaborate, shall we say. Um, There's also just the things are a little more thought out rather than, I mean, there's still inspiration and there's still very much that creative spark, but 
Mm-hmm. I tend to almost, you know, kind of in my head, map out structure more readily than I used to. Sometimes mm-hmm. I would, you know, kind of have a really cool fragment and then I would not know where to go with it. <laughs> and right. now I've kind of, you know, one of the skills that I've tried to develop is, okay, this is the cool little idea that I started with, but what's the, what's the, the big um, long game? You know, what's the, the, where am I going with all of this? And part of that, you know, as we had talked before, um, definitely goes into the dramatic side of taking people on a journey. You want to make sure you have some clue of what the end of the journey is like so that you're not just, you know, like, you know, darting all over the place just to kind of keep them interested, but then not pay it off. You want to make sure that you have a, a very effective payoff. Sure. So a lot of it is, um, has been just the, the mapping out in my head of like, okay, this is, this is kind of the structure I'm going to go for. This definitely represents where I, I think is going to be, you know, the piece will be best served as far as where we're going, you know, and other things are just orchestral um, colors, you know, just finding, not necessarily always like the newfangled thing or the most complicated thing, just what can you really do with the instruments at hand? And, you know, mm-hmm. what can you do that maybe is a simple technique that people haven't thought of or haven't used in this way and just kind of combining different ideas that way. It's right. definitely been kind of like my, my goal to try to, you know, again, every piece should sound different. Every piece should be something new and interesting, but you also have to like, okay, I've, I've got X amount of things in the toolbox that I'm working with for this particular piece. How do I use that uh, to my best ability? And how do I express this idea with that, the best of my ability? So it's a lot of almost like a mental thing has been my, my biggest change. And then the music itself, I definitely would say harmonically goes to different places. I like uh, for whatever reason to do a lot of phrase key changes, even when it's just not necessarily changing a key, just has that temporary modulation. Shift, so right. mm-hmm. create some harmonic interest that way. So I've gotten a lot more comfortable doing that. So mm-hmm. like any you know composer, your piece, your, your, your music should sound like you, but you also don't want it to be predictable. So I think right. you always have to keep evolving. Well, certainly we all want to keep learning and keep pushing forward and doing something different and new. Definitely. <laughs> so, uh, what what type of music do you listen to, and what what sort of inspires you? Well, um, I actually listen to quite a bit. Um, I have over the years, you know, as we mentioned before, film scores have always and and still remain a favorite. So, mm-hmm. I'm always listening to you know what's the latest score that's out there. What what are some classic scores that are being reissued and listen to that. I listen to a lot of choral music because aside from the fact that I accompany, I also write a lot of choral music and have gotten very much into like long form choral as far as commissions. So I listen to a lot of um, Morton Lauridson and, and people like that and try to really listen to ways you can use the voice in, in different ways. Uh, in terms of contemporary techniques. And I also, I, I mean, I, I pretty much love music in general. So I listen to jazz. I listen to, um, you know, classical. Um, occasionally I get into a, a b- very Baroque mood. <laughs> um, yeah. 
And, you know, just again, it, I think for me, it's a lot of color changes, you know, just like, oh, that's kind of, a, you know, I haven't listened to that for a while. Oh, there's a cool little consort. I'll listen to them for a while. Get some recorders going. Um, and so I, I listen to I listen to folk. I listen to, you know, even I typically because I do a lot of arranging for um, school acapella groups, listen to a lot of just whatever's contemporary, like what's out there on the radio, just so I can kind of keep an idea of like what they might be asking me for and right um ways to approach that so i, I think that i think that helps to keep you relevant too oh yeah i mean you don't want to write one thing and one thing only and then be known as that that's the guy that writes that thing you know you just mm-hmm. you always need to keep yourself open to new options i mean it doesn't matter how old or young you are you want to make sure that you have a huge breadth of knowledge as, as far as what's out there in music right so yeah, I definitely listen to a wide variety. I mean, my iTunes playlists tend to be pretty uh, diverse, eclectic, <laughs> yeah, to say the least. <laughs> so, and, and yeah, that's that's interesting because that's something I find that in the, doing these podcasts that uh, most composers are like that because they're always searching for other ideas, different things, and have an eclectic mix of uh, what really turns them on too. Oh, absolutely. You know, I I love a good John Williams score as much as anyone, but then. You don't want to necessarily ape John Williams in your own writing. So yeah. it's like you have to take a little bit from that and a little bit from that and just you know, a little, you know, little influences from everything because, you know, that that's what's out there. That, and that's what also then makes you unique. You're not exactly you're not just writing pastiche, you know, cliched music mm-hmm. that somebody could have probably written better. You're writing your own. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's a good good point for uh, young composers. Absolutely. Especially. Become yourself by, by taking little bits of everything from everybody. Oh yeah, synthesizing anything that you hear and anything you experience, and then making it your own. You know, that's the only way you ever become. It's not that you're, you know, the most groundbreaking person on the planet. You're not doing, you know, all of a sudden, um, you know, some sort of very avant-garde thing. That's not necessarily the way to make you original and successful. It's what what's you what what represents you like what right. components <laughs> finding that right. balance exactly so steve if students or teachers conductors would like to m- learn more about your music or about you what is the best way uh, for them to do so i actually have two ways of uh learning more about my uh music and and what kind of what i do one is I do have a website. It's uh, steveparsonsmusic.com. And uh, that has kind of an overview there, always adding new stuff to that. Right. I also do have a Facebook page, uh, Steve Parsons Composer, um, which is really easy to find as well. And that's probably even more updated um, on a regular basis than the other one. So I try to put regular little bits of news or just, you know, whether it be uh, my music direction, or uh, especially a lot of my my co- composition on the composer page on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Anytime I'm working on something new or recording one of my pieces, I try to put up some little video blurbs or some uh, pictures of kind of what the process involves and keep people in the loop. Right. Uh, do you like it when people reach out to you and ask questions about your music? Always. I think as a composer, you always want people to... Um, you know, you, you want to connect with people through your work and it's always kind of not just flattering, but also just kind of like, really like it, it gets to me a, l- a little bit about like, you know, just in terms of people who really like 
a piece might really mean you know mean something to them. I had actually yeah. had a a person who told me how much like distant thunder meant to them. And it just, you know, they reached out kind of randomly and just said, you know, this piece, it was at a particular time and, you know, I was doing this particular thing. And it just, it really is, is nice to hear those stories where somebody just really connects with it on a, a deeper level than you even thought. So I, I always love hearing from people and, you know, just hearing their feedback, you know, whether <laughs> sometimes good or bad, but usually it's, it's mostly like, you know, I, I really love that. I really love, you know, just how you did this or that and how it connected with me. And the, and I love it when they explain like how that worked, because it's just, I think, again, as, as artists, you always want to kind of reach the world around you. And it's just nice to kind of see that come to fruition. Yeah. It's nice to know people are enjoying the work that you do. Yeah. Well, Steve, thank you for so much for taking the time to talk to us today. We, I appreciate you uh, being on this podcast with us. No problem. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Again, this is Larry Clark with Excelsior Music Publishing, and thank you for listening to our podcast from the composer with Steve Parsons.